Welcome to Global One Media Stocks to Watch. I'm Michael Swido. I'm speaking today with Erin Prosk. She works in a cutting edge industry, one that we don't talk about often on this channel, and that is medical cannabis. For the past decade, Erin has been at the forefront of patient advocacy and innovation in the sector. She's the head of not one, but two Canadian companies, a clinic and research organization in Quebec called Sante Cannabis, as well as a new virtual clinic that she has co-founded called Sora Care. Erin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Michael. Before we get started, a note to viewers. Cannabis is legal in Canada, but that not that is not the case in many markets. So please respect the relevant laws and regulations wherever you may be. All right, Aaron, with that disclaimer out of the way, I'm really curious to learn about SoraCare. Uh, I've used telemedicine on a number of occasions. It can be very convenient. But SoraCare is the first virtual clinic I've ever encountered that specializes in medical cannabis. So tell us, why did you start it? Uh, well, I think, you know, really uh, many medical experts will tell you that uh, telemedicine is really the future of healthcare and as well the future of clinical trials and research. So being able to uh, contact uh, people in their homes where they're comfortable uh, and uh, reach them in every corner uh, of the country of Canada. And, you know, as we move uh, globally to uh, more uh, telemedicine and decentralized care. Uh, so for medical cannabis, it's still a new uh, sort of, as you say, cutting edge uh, therapy. It's really an emergent therapeutic class. And and uh, it, telemedicine allows uh, patients and caregivers and, and healthcare professionals all across Canada to meet with experts uh, in an easy and accessible format. So that's what we're bringing to uh, to Canadians is that expertise uh, in, uh, in, in a virtual care model. So how big is this industry, I wonder? What's the size of it? Well, you'll see a lot of estimates out there uh, about the size of the Canadian medical market. Uh, we're now five years into legalization for recreational use as well as medical use in Canada. And what we have is a lot of crossover in these markets. So strictly, you know, medical access, uh, we see uh, uh, numbers in the range of about 300 to 400 million Canadian. Uh, this is uh, in the range of about uh, 250 million U.S. Uh, annual revenue. But uh, what really, where the real story is, is in the accessibility of cannabis now across Canada in the legal market and what consumers are reporting in those sales channels. And we see estimates of 40 to 50% of consumers of cannabis are actually using products for therapeutic purpose. So they're treating, you know, uh, uh, conditions like chronic pain, sleep, uh, anxiety, depression, and even more serious, you know, debilitating conditions such as Parkinson's disease or Alzheimer's. And so there's really a real opportunity there for the development of further development of medical cannabis products, uh, because there's a demand uh, from the uh, patient and, and uh, medical community that's really not being met by the current offering of medical cannabis in Canada. If you look a little bit closer to the industry, there are a hundred, nearly a hundred providers of medical cannabis in Canada, but two companies account reportedly for half of all medical sales. So it sounds like the competition is pretty intense. How do you stand out? Uh, so, I mean, the, the the difference that we're providing is really as an ancillary service. So all patients who are accessing medical cannabis need to have an authorization from uh, a, a medical professional. And so accessing those medical professionals is really the, the gateway or the path uh, to access uh, those hundred different uh, providers. And so uh, cannabis clinics or specialized clinics like ours uh, really are that support for patients uh, and caregivers to find the right companies. So in 
many ways, we're sort of that guide uh, to navigate the competition. And so in our sense, competition is good. It means it will bring you know more innovative products that we can offer to our patients. Uh, but we stand out uh, as uh, providing an expertise and an independent source of information uh, for patients and caregivers to navigate that complex system. I want to take a look a bit at the history of cannabis uh, in Canada. You mentioned that five years ago, it was legalized for recreational use. But doctors could first start prescribing it back in the late 1990s following a high-profile court case. Uh, and then restrictions were subsequently loosened uh, several times over the past couple of decades, uh, again, thanks to court rulings. Uh, now it's legal rec uh, you know, recreationally. There's retail stores, uh, proliferation of retail stores even. So I'm wondering, given that, why is there still a need for medical providers? Uh, well, I mean... First and foremost, I come from the advocacy lens. I came to medical cannabis because I really see the therapeutic potential. Uh, there's real science behind cannabinoid medicines uh, that uh, is still underdeveloped and underexplored. And, um, you know, the, 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 uh, reform of medical cannabis over time has really been driven by patient uh, court cases and legal challenges. Uh, it's come about in a very non-conventional way, uh, but we're seeing like clear success now of some of the pharmaceutically developed products such as Epidiolex uh, developed by GW, which has really sort of um, opened up eyes to sort of what the potential is of cannabinoids as pharmaceutical products. And so really, you know, uh, access to cannabis and destigmatization uh, is an important step, you know, erasing, you know, we had 100 years of cannabis prohibition in Canada, uh, where, you know, this was seen as strictly a harmful drug. And so, you know, it's taken, you know, the, the steps, you know, in the um, uh, policy and regulatory reform uh, to really start to see cannabis as something that should be, you know, regulated based on evidence. And so, you know, coming back to the idea that initially, you know, this is a this is a product that taps into our own body's endocannabinoid system. There's a whole bunch of potential there for treating difficult to treat conditions. And that's really what we need to continue to focus on medical cannabis. And that's what we also hear from consumers who are finding benefits uh, for pain treatment, sleep, anxiety. Uh, they're, they're coming to cannabis um, because of those benefits and uh, the industry and the product innovators need to keep up and service providers are, are here um, at Sora and Sante Cannabis to support, you know, patients uh, to, to find those effective products. So if we look at the regulatory environment, uh, the Canadian government recently published a five-year legislative uh, review of that Cannabis Act. Uh, Aaron, I noticed you're listed in the appendix as someone who provided input to the report. Uh, what is your biggest takeaway from it, uh, especially in terms of the state of medical cannabis in Canada? Right. So this is an official sort of parliamentary requirement to have a, a five-year review after cannabis legalization. But you'll notice in that report, you know, the expert panel that was appointed by the government is noting that there was really not any significant reform or improvement in the last five years to medical cannabis access. It's the most dense chapter in the report, uh, and it cites challenges with research, product development, uh, patient access, um, you know, insurance coverage, uh, you know, the pharmacy access. There are a number of very complex issues that are raised by a whole wide range of, of stakeholders. So I'm confident through the work that we've been doing um, with this uh, expert panel over the last year that we can really push uh, for meaningful reform uh, for the next five years of, uh, of, of cannabis regulations in Canada uh, to facilitate uh, these barriers, especially around research and uh, the discovery of, of new uh, cannabis-based medicines. So what changes are you looking for in that regulatory framework? 
Well, I mean, absolutely uh, pressing for access through pharmacy. Uh, cannabis products right now are still considered separate uh, from the sort of standard health product uh, regulation in Canada. And so one of the most significant reforms uh, is would be a reclassification of certain cannabis-based products as health products that could then be distributed through pharmacies. Uh, and this would open a huge sales channel uh, to the cannabis license holders and to patients and consumers across Canada. Canada. There are almost 15,000 community-based pharmacies that right now don't sell any cannabis-based products uh, unless they've gone through a drug market approval. And so this means that uh, the thousands of cannabis products are you know, separated from the sort of traditional healthcare channel. And so this is really what we're pushing for. And it would be a win you know, on all sides of the equation, uh, including uh, to the industry uh, and, uh, and product developers who have so far been sort of barred from accessing that pharmacy sales channel. That's really interesting. Uh, when I was reading about this, I saw that a lot of consumers, a lot of people who are using uh, medical cannabis products, uh, top of their mind is price. So I guess Canada still imposes excise and sales taxes on it. And they're saying, hey, this is a, a medical drug that shouldn't be. Absolutely. And that comes back to the regulation as a cannabis product first and not as a health product where, you know, those um, tax exemptions exist and, you know, the uh, opportunities for insurance coverage are sort of more broad. So everything when it relates to medical cannabis has had to be a fight so far. So we do have a number of patients, about 10% of patients who receive some form of insurance coverage, but we have to sort of fight case by case because those insurance providers see these products as cannabis products first and not as health products or medicines. And so uh, the biggest impact for patients is that they are paying taxes, they are paying out of pocket, where in Canada, you know, it's uh, pharmaceutical uh, medications generally covered by provincial prescription drug plans. And so this is very impactful in the clinic. We have patients who substitute opioids, benzodiazepines, um, very harmful medications. They successfully transition onto medical cannabis products, but they end up paying potentially out of pocket $100 or $200 a month. It, it can be the biggest barrier. And so it's heartbreaking as a clinician to see a patient return to more harmful medications that are covered uh, by their insurance when uh, uh, products that have provided them benefits are not. That's a really interesting example there. Don't want people to go to harder drugs or things that are worse for them uh, just because it's more affordable. Uh, I'm curious personally, how did you get into this industry and why are you so passionate about it? Well, First and foremost, I care about advancing access to complementary medicines and patient advocacy. Uh, early on, I had some close connections um, to people who were benefiting from medical cannabis. You mentioned we've had legal access dating back to uh, you know, the Y2K uh, era in Canada. Uh, and I saw the real potential of uh, cannabis-based medicines uh, to disrupt you know, the pharmaceutical industry, to uh, sort of change the way we thought about uh, medications. Uh, and I'm very interested in sort of just continuing this push towards uh, integration. Uh, and I think that it's also, you know, sort of the vanguard for a change in the way that we think about plant-based medicines. And we see that now with psychedelic medicines coming through and sort of following in uh, the tread that uh, cannabis uh, policy reform has, has created. So uh, other complementary medicines will come through much more quickly. And I'm really excited about that and, uh, and, and the progress that we've made. 
So speaking of opportunity, uh, if we go south of the border from where you are right now, uh, in the United States, the Biden administration is reportedly planning to reclassify marijuana as a Schedule Three drug. That would put it in the same category as anabolo- uh, excuse me, anabolic steroids. Uh, and that would be a game changer for the cannabis industry in the U.S. It would open up banking services. It would essentially decriminalize marijuana at the federal level. If this happens, do you have any interest in expanding Soricare to the United States? Uh, well, for us, we would explore any opportunity. I think the real uh, um, future will be in cross-border collaboration. So Canada serving as a, a model of what to do or what not to do in many cases. Uh, and uh, I would say that in the in the community setting where we operate, uh, training clinicians, supporting patients, there's a lot of, of learning that we can pass on as well as infrastructure, um, you know, around data technology, uh, collection of, of uh, patient outcomes uh, that can be um, transported or exported uh, over, over border. So we would love to be involved uh, with virtual care providers, uh, as well as that process of integrating uh, medical cannabis uh, products into pharmacy, which I think would um, be you know, the most significant change uh, as well with a, de- with a rescheduling uh, by the FDA is the opportunity to introduce cannabis-based medicines uh, into pharmacies in addition to the, the cannabis sales points that already exist. Really interesting times. Uh, some people estimate the uh, global uh, global market for medical cannabis is set to nearly double over the next four to five years to nearly $60 billion. Absolutely fascinating and absolutely fascinating to talk to you, Aaron, about your role in the sector in Canada. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for the time.